Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. Uh, three gentlemen here this afternoon or this evening or this morning, wherever you're listening to us. Uh, Matt Messiano, football commentator. Jordan Weimer, football analyst. And Tom Burdell, football journalist. All coming together to discuss, as we do on a, on a weekly basis, when we all can get together to talk about the most recent Watford events. Kick off and say hello to everybody. How, how is everyone? How's everyone doing? Yeah, being called a gentleman is nice. Um, yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> I'm doing all right considering the uh, the football's been pretty bleak recently. I think we've had enough enough positives off the field to to maybe kind of soothe the uh, the five hundred feet at home somewhat. Yeah, I think we're just a bit ready for it to be over now, Tom. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It feels like it's been the longest season in a lot of ways, doesn't it? It's just you know because we've known for so long that we're down, even you know before it was confirmed, and then since it's been confirmed, so. Yes, one game to go. Thank goodness, some records in the bag. Um, I'm sure we can achieve, you know, plum new depths at Chelsea next weekend or this weekend, um, and and really finish the season off um, in style. There was a rousing <laughs> boo at the end of the game, wasn't there, in, in, at Vicarage Road? Yeah, there was. It was deserved. <sighs> yeah, absolutely, they deserve it. It was. I mean. Just, <sighs> The thing that I can't get over, and I tweeted before the game, you know, it's good that Rob Edwards is here, kind of galvanised the crowd a bit early on. Um, and, you know, he will get to see everything kind of laid bare. How many of those players he gets to work with, I don't know. But, you know, if, if nothing else, it should give them all a boost that in a game where there's ostensibly nothing to play for, there is something to play for. You know, if you think you're going to be here next year because you want to be or you can't escape in more likely uh, in more likely in most cases, um, you know, at least the new guy's here to impress. But, just imagine showing up to what is effectively a, a, an audition for your job for next season and performing like that. It's just feeble, wasn't it? It was pathetic and they deserved everything they got. And actually, I was surprised as many people stuck around for the lap of dishonour um, as did. Yeah. I mean, it started off OK, though, didn't it? I mean, was you a bit surprised of the way that we actually looked reasonably good for 15 minutes and then... <laughs> I guess you can't be too surprised about what happened after that, but it, it was not, it wasn't a bad start. Uh, yeah, no, a good start, a good start, and in, in a bit like against Everton, to be honest, they came out of the traps with you know some energy, went on the front foot, tried to 
make things happen. And and even I think possibly before João Pedro scored, we had a kind of you know decent half chance. Um, and Pedro in particular had you know chances throughout this um, game at kind of all stages of the game. Straight after the goal, he he um, he had another one where Ngakia put a low ball in. He got a little toe on it, and Danny Ward had to get down sharply and make a save. You know, it was it was really decent, but I think it just I think the fact that they conceded was it sixteen and twenty two minutes um, really underlined just how low. And this is not making excuses, but how low the confidence is and how fragile they are basically. Um, you know, to concede, I mean, two comically poor goals as well, right? Jordan's tweet on Saturday summed it up quite nicely, I think, when he tweeted, "Oh, Adam, I think it was after the first goal," and then you know. We go and concede the second goal. It's just, yeah, pathetic. Yeah, um, we just really, as a team, we're just unable to handle adversity in, in any sort of way. I think you know things are nil nil. We start a little bit, little bit of positivity. Uh, we we've kind of attacking a little bit, some some a little bit of freedom, and then as soon as we get tested, it's just capitulation. And the, the manner of the goals, as comical as they were, just kind of sums up a lot of how how the team has been on the pitch this season. So yeah, it's disappointing. But as as you said, you know if you're if you've got your coach and the potential coach for next season in the stand, you'd hope for maybe a little bit more. But then, yeah, it's just kind of endorsement of how this this season has been. So it, it's frustrating and uh, somewhat embarrassing at times. I'm pleased he's seeing it. I'm pleased he's seeing it because now he knows exactly what he has to sort out. If we had seen some kind of freak, decent performance, he might have been like, oh, you know, there's not a lot I need to change. But, um, <laughs> you know, now now he knows exactly what needs to be done. If it makes you feel any better, you think it's hard to watch the games as we have. Rob, Rob Edwards is probably about to undergo watching every single game we've played this season. So yeah. that's, a, that's a much more daunting task, perhaps. But I think he's going to be fully aware of what he has in his hands in terms of the players that have played this season. Having him in at this time, at least, does give him the opportunity as well to assess uh, as, as soon as possible. Uh, and I think we need to have that sort of sort of autopsy at the end of the season anyway. So it, it, it is a positive, even if it's... Um, somewhat troubling for him to see at this point. A few goodbyes out on the pitch as well at the end of the game, um, most notably for, for Ben Foster, who picked up the, um, the the second best player of the season award. Um, I mean, he, he didn't really uh, show it on, on Sunday, though, did he? It was a hard, a hard way to say goodbye to the home fans of that kind of a performance, unfortunately. But if you if you try and... Forget about that. He has given us lots of memories to smile about over over the years that he's been here. Yeah, I, I love Ben Foster. You know, as I tweeted on Sunday morning, I feel like I've seen his whole career and that makes me feel old because obviously <laughs> he played before he joined Watford, but he really kind of shot into the limelight, didn't he, when we took him on loan from United after yeah. they signed him um, kind of from obscurity. And then he's come back at the tail end of his career. And let's be honest, he's been bloody excellent, apart from probably this season and a bit of last season, where it just, you know, evidently some things had started to creep in. And I think the goal, you know, the Vardy goal, what the hell is he doing for the Vardy header? Like, you could just see it unfold in front of you, couldn't you? And I think that was the perfect encapsulation of some of the poor decision-making. Um, there were a few crap kicks in there. We know he's, distribu- he's always been able to boot it, but his actual kind of distribution um, has been poor throughout his career and there was a few dicey kicks in there as well on Saturday on Sunday I keep saying Saturday um I think it was the perfect kind of you know there's there can be no regrets it's the right time to part isn't it I think um but he you know he should go down as a modern kind of Watford day modern day Watford hero certainly you know to be part of two teams that won promotion team that made it 
uh, to our highest Premier League finish and I suppose squad member in the FA Cup final run as well. He, he has been very, very good for us for a long time and it's been a shame that it's been kind of tainted by this by this season but to be honest with you let's be let's you know let's have some introspection here i think most people were quite happy with the youtube or quite happy with enjoyed the youtube channel and had no issue with it last season it's only the kind of this season that it's um it's been used as a stick to beat him with and and some of the other things obviously i appreciate that come with that so overall i will look back on his time at watford with you know a great deal of warmth and and a number of great memories yeah jordan do you agree with that yeah, I think for the most part. I mean, he, he's he's obviously performed well for for large large stints of his time with us, and there are obviously off the field uh, issues, which is generally kind of talked about in a perhaps a kind of outrightly more negative sense. This is a little bit more controversial. I think the opinion was quite divided on on everything Ben did off the field, but yeah, I think he's obviously been uh, important to a lot of the, a lot of positive things that have happened over what at Watford in the last few years. So yeah, it's it's and again the same as you, Tom. You know, kind of having the opportunity to watch uh, watch kind of the entire span of someone's career is you know is some level of um, uh, kind of nostalgia that goes into looking back over that time. Whilst it is, you know, somewhat sad to see uh, a player go up, I also think it is time that we we do have to be readdressing. I don't think it's actually a negative that that Foster is leaving us at the same time. No, agreed wholeheartedly. He's reached the, the point where he needs to sort of gracefully move on with the next chapter of his life. Um, I think he's still got a few years of playing in, in him left. But um... Hashtag United looking for a goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, I bet they are. <laughs> Possibly the last time that we uh, saw Musa Sissoko as well, at least at Vicarage Road. Probably the last time we see him, I think, if the, fa- the fact that that clause is in there, and I don't, I don't see it as a bad thing that the clause is in there, by the way, I see it as prudent financial management. Um, so, you know, I, I have no issue with that. If it means we get a player that on paper at least is of a higher calibre than we might otherwise be able to attract, then, you know, so be it, do it. Um, but, I, you know, if it's in there, you reasonably assume that he will not entertain the idea of playing in the Championship. I'd just be interested to know whether it's, a, you know, is he available at a set price? Is he available for nothing? Do they just, you know, tear up his contract at this stage? What exactly that means? Because I would assume they don't want to be carrying his wages into the Championship. As far as how he's done this season is concerned, I'd be interested to think know what you guys think because I think he's taken some fairly undue criticism in recent weeks based bloody train based <laughs> purely on um, the fact that that contract clause exists and he has uh, you know said some things about perhaps going back to France and the tweet after getting relegated that just aren't great from an optics point of view. But I actually think if you strip away those, his performances haven't been bad. And I think, you know, I think he's had more upside than than downside, personally, even if there have been shortcomings in his game. Yeah, I think I think his performances just were on quite a steady decline. I think his best performances were early on. And then they've somewhat just kind of steadily declined as the season's gone on, I feel like. And it's you know it's hard to kind of pinpoint the blame for that. But I would say there was some, some frustration there. And he hasn't, he hasn't been bad, but I, I think it's just, it's very difficult to get behind some of these players just given the manner of the season as a whole. So if, if he's going to be here for one year and you're judging a player that's been here for one season, it's, it's difficult to judge a player that's been here for one season during the worst season we've had for quite a while. So it's, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but um, I'm, it does seem like he'll be off for sure. We had another chance to see that dynamic trio of uh, Kalu, Pedro and Sema up top. Um, <laughs> I, I spoke to Tom about it last time, uh, Jordan. So I'll, I'll ask you, what was your, what's your opinion of those three uh, 
as a three. Um, I mean, look, we know I, I we kind of know how we, we feel about, or at least how I feel about uh, about Jao Pedro. I I think he's really really good. I think he's someone that's going to be helpful to us next season. Should we retain him? Uh, I think he's he's obviously got a, a bright future. As for the other two, Ken Stemmer, I think will be an asset next season. Is he necessarily someone we want to look at and start? Perhaps not, but we, we've seen that he can be productive in the championship. He does offer something. Kalu has been very just in and out, not really been too consistent in the, within those kind of 90-minute windows. He's not really had too much of an impact in the game. And uh, I'm not convinced yet. There are some bright spots at times. You kind of go back and look at his more recent career uh, in, in France. And you can see there's some player there, but we're just yet to see it at Watford. And I'm not entirely sure kind of how it will continue with us, uh, given that the, the, the new head coach isn't necessarily someone that's going to utilise his skill set. So it, it's an odd front three and, and one I don't expect we'll see again. All right, and um, finally, we we uh, we got to see in the end the uh, the player of the season, Hassan Kamara. Um, and Tom, you had an interesting uh, thought on this. Yes, I may regret sticking my head above the parapet here. I was surprised the club did it. There's certainly a precedent. I've seen other clubs cancel kind of these things when it's been a, a miserable season. I think ours certainly qualifies as miserable. Um, I've got no issue with Hassan Kamara winning. I just want to I want to state that. But I've seen a lot of people say, you know. Oh, it should, of course it should be Kamara. He's um, he's played for the whole season. Emmanuel Dennis hasn't. I'm like, well, no, they've they've both played for half a season for different reasons. But again, Dennis is another one where there's a kind of narrative built around him now. Where um, since Afcon, he's not been as good as he was in the first half of the season. Um, but he has still only contributed as much as he has contributed as much as Kamara, whether you like it or not. Um, but as I said, there's this kind of narrative around him. I think combination of not performing since AFCON as well as he did in the first half of the season and also this kind of, as we knew from before he arrived, that he's been a troublesome character in the past um, has kind of counted against him and I think it's kind of harsh to overlook the goals that he has scored and some of the performances that he's put in because I think without those goals we would have been relegated a long, long time ago but it does, it's a perfect indictment of the season that a player that's played kind of 14 or 15 games is our player of the season and he's (laughs) Clearly not being here for the season, but there we are. They're just uh, you know another point in a, a miserable year. No, I I actually really agree with what you say there, Tom. Um, he actually got my vote for for player of the season. Despite that, I felt like off the pitch stuff does actually impact the player of the season choice. And maybe that's a weird thing to say, but um, I think to be the player, it, it's it's a bit like choosing your captain, isn't it? You have to have some kind of visible care for the club or at least say the right things, um, as well as having a good on-the-pitch presence and performance to to kind of, like, have that complete circle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's your favourite. You're basically choosing your favourite player for the season, so you're taking all those factors into account. Yeah. Uh, I think otherwise, otherwise, you know, Dennis has definitely been had the biggest impact on the team this season. Uh, in terms of positive contribution. So I, I guess it must include those things, you know. So it, it's a strange one. I mean, I think, as, I can't remember which one of you touched on it before, whether it's before we start recording or not, but it's almost kind of surprised me even bothered with the, the team of the season stuff. Uh, the, sorry, a player of the season uh, awards, especially. Did we actually present a top three as well? Yeah, Dennis came third. <laughs> they didn't do it on the pitch, I don't think, did they? No, they it was, it was thank, the most kind of low-key player of the season awarding I've ever seen Um yeah. He and Sissoko sort of jogged out from the tunnel about 10 minutes before kickoff. 
they go, oh, um, Hassan Kamara was your player of the season. Quick round of applause, and that was that. But um, mm. understandably so, given the circumstances. I like the idea that there might have been a team of the season. That that could have been a real a real stretch. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, if, if we talk about player of the season for um, other uh, players that belong to Watford but were not playing for Watford this season, Hungbo won the young player of the season at Ross County. Um, and we already know that um, Matty Pollock won the young player of the season at Cheltenham. So there's two things that we can kind of shout about and have a little cheer because, you know, they'll be, they'll be coming back to us for uh, this coming 2022-23 season. And um, I'd say both of them have a, you know, a solid chance of featuring. Funny you should say that because literally five seconds ago, I just refreshed my Twitter feed, Joseph Hungwer just tweeted saying, young player of the season, players young player of the season, goal of the season, and SPF goal of the season. It's not bad, What a it? season at Ross County. Yeah. I'd like to thank imagine teammates, etc. So, yeah, it is a pretty good pretty good return. Uh, I'm not sure. I'll be interested to see how this one pans out with Hungwer because he's definitely not someone that I thought would necessarily be involved next season. But look, I think there's... I think one of the kind of outsider things you have to think about with Edwards is how much he views the ability to nurture these players from a kind of more inexperienced position, especially when you're trying to contrast that with some of the kind of more experienced, higher level players we have. He might he might look to to kind of go down that route of blending some of these younger players and have less of that. Maybe ego is the wrong word, but just kind of this less of a jaded view of the game. It might be an opportunity for players like Hungbo. So I think he's one now that kind of shoots himself back into contention uh, as someone that could possibly contribute next season. Although the question will be, where exactly does he fit? But yeah. I guess we'll get into that. Well, who else, who else Who else? does fit Rob Edwards' tactical plan uh, as it stands? Who, who do we have in our ranks that could very be proved very useful to him? Um, well, I mean, for me, I think Imran Loser is, is definitely one. Uh, yeah, Pedro, uh, Josh King, if he was to be here still, that's obviously more of a question. Uh, Hassan Kamara, Kika Femenia, I think are all players that can, can contribute there. Uh, yeah, I think they're probably the main standouts to me. Um, and you, I mean, we could go into kind of some more detail in, in terms of the others, but are there any standouts for you guys you feel would kind of suit this style, suit this approach? I was going to ask about Dan Backman because we've, we've kind of assumed, and, I, and I've assumed within this that... Um, Maduka Okoye will come in and be the number one and obviously there's been speculation about Batman leaving all season but I, I just wonder with the, the new head coach and, and kind of reading and, and watching your video Jordan obviously talk about kind of transitions and making the most of those if someone with Batman's distribution you know maybe not expecting him to build from the back so in the sense of you know knocking it out and being involved in the build up play but someone who's got a fairly accurate kick you know to be able to go quickly spring a ball out to the wing backs or, or whoever it may be, you know, does does that suddenly put him back in in the battle to be number one next season? Uh, I, I've no idea if Okoye is any good with his feet or not, but it, just a thought, you know, that maybe he'd been written off before now, but perhaps this changes, because I do think it changes things for a lot of players. Yeah, I think it, it could well do. I, I think it hasn't. An impact is his use of the ball is definitely better than Foster's, uh, and that was something that kind of got him. It kind of helped with his, his him winning that number one spot in the championship, and I think too there's an element of of coachability that's going to come into play as well. If if there's a close, uh, if if the skill gap between players is relatively close, it might come down to who Edwards feels like might be able to implement his plans 
a little bit quicker. And if he feels that one of those excels at that, I think that could even play a part as well. And that might go for a few positions. But I think those two, it might be a closer battle than has been talked about up to now. I think Backman has shown that he can, you know, he can compete in the championship and he's he's more than capable of playing at that level. Uh, Okoye has obviously got some more questions over question marks over him. So I think it'll be interesting to see, but it's definitely um it's definitely one that's up for up for debate and, and will remain to be seen, I think, until we start seeing some preseason matches. Yeah. I mean Rob Rob Elliott will still be around, presumably, as will um Pontus Dalberg. I think Elliott could very well find himself being number two next season if we're trying to squeeze budget and maximise budget then um, he's a fairly you know budget friendly option to have isn't he experienced and presumably wouldn't um, wouldn't let anyone down I think the biggest thing for me is the centre backs right the the players are going to fit into that back three you look at the ones we've got at the moment do you really see anyone other than um, Sierra Alta being comfortable doing those roles I don't think I do well Syriata could occupy I mean the role that's really up for grabs for any of the current centre-backs we have is is the central the central position the, the defender that's there to be the combative centre-back uh, look to win the ball and, and just simply recycle possession you know Truce Kong Syriata possibly Cathcart Matty Pollock if he was to be involved these are all players that can fit that uh, it's kind of the easiest position to play across that back three. The outside positions obviously be more complicated, more use of the ball, uh, more movement, uh, potentially even carrying of the ball. And right now, we don't really have anyone that fits that uh, in the squad. But, but potentially, um, you, you could see Adam Master being used there from the left. I just don't think his use of the ball is anywhere near good enough. Uh, maybe as a carrying centre-back to kind of advance at the field, but unsure on that. It, it definitely seems a position we're going to have to spend on. Uh, because right now we we look pretty thin in those outside positions. We're going to need at least at least two, um, possibly three or four that are comfortable playing there. So how we approach that will be really interesting, uh, especially when we 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 know we know that we've walked lightly with our with our centre back and our defensive group as a whole, and we've often carried light in those positions. So to to actually go out there and address that, I think would be a, a quite a statement of intent of, of how we expect to change uh, our approach. Because that previously that's an area that we've just let 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 it kind of be under-invested in it over the course of multiple seasons now. But this one isn't just about quality, it's about fit as well. So it's going to be one that we have to really get right and really have to work hard to address because it's, a, it's quite a big hole right now. Did we see a three at the back for a portion of the Leicester game? Yes, we did. And it was we, it was bad. And it was miserable, yeah. Mm-hmm. How was it I was actually surprised. It, well, there wasn't much. I mean, there wasn't much to it in the sense they just really just changed to three players at the back and... And then we had wing backs, but it was it was difficult because I didn't think that it's a difficult time to play that to change shape and expect it to be uh, maybe indicative of what we'd see next season. They were playing quite loosely at that point; they were losing quite heavily already, uh, and players weren't playing with the same level of commitment and, and coaching that you'd expect to see from Edwards. But there were a couple of things that stood out to me. I was, I was surprised how lost Cabaselli looked on the outside of the back three, considering he's played there before. Uh, he was kind of all over the place. He didn't know when to press, when to stay, uh, make himself available for, for the pass. He was just in a, in a few strange positions. And then Gaki wasn't helping him too. I'm not sure if you guys noticed, but there was a bit of a back and forth between the two at one point where the ball was played on the left. And then Gaki was quite high up and Cabaselli kind of got caught in no man's land and was shouting at Gaki afterwards. But really, Cabaselli was in some bad positions. So it, it wasn't promising to see in, in a lot of ways. And obviously, we saw what, what kind of Massena was doing on the left. It wasn't much better. Uh, and it really just kind of highlighted the the weaknesses and the frailties that, that back line has if we don't address those outside spots for me. 
I wonder why uh, Roy decided to, to try that. Do you think he's been asked to? Uh... <laughs> he's refused just... that, hasn't he, quite strongly that he was asked to. And I don't believe for any second, sorry, Jordan, I don't believe any, for a second that Rob Edwards would be trying to impart that on the, you know, in, in, enforce that on him uh, at this stage of the season. Is there anything to be learned from playing three at the back without any warning, it, you know, without the personnel for the second half of a game where you're already losing? It seems like just pointless and stupid. And without any of the instruction relevant to that's, what yeah. everyone should be looking to use. Yeah, it, I think it was just trying to get numbers forward. I think that's what it was. And uh, that was the way he tried to do it. But there was, I mean, it was just it was just a mess. Put that down to coach and put it down to the, the execution of the players or a combination. It, it wasn't good. And um, there's really just not enough to draw from that, apart from the fact that we saw three centre-backs in the pitch. And maybe you could, you could, I say the thing you could draw from it actually is just how the centre backs operated, and I thought it, it highlighted the problem for me. Just quickly going back to Akoye, I pulled up his passing data for this season. Of all Eredivisie keepers who sort have of played in at least twenty percent of the available minutes of the season, he has the worst pass completion um, <laughs> by a reasonable amount, uh, under 50%, the only goalkeeper, yeah, the only goalkeeper to have under 50% in the Eredivisie this season. But conversely, he is first for final third passes attempted and second for final third passes completed. Well, what so, that indicates is that he just boots the ball up the field. Then. That's it, exactly. <laughs> so he does a lot. Of, he does a lot of long kicks, but not particularly very well. Um, so yeah, read into that what you will. I think what I'll read into that is that Backman's getting uh, back in the number one spot. Uh, it depends how crucial. I mean, distribution from a centre back in the back three is normally pretty simple in the sense that you're playing out to your centre backs and looking for space there, but. Um, I'm not sure it's a massive part of Edwards' game, the passing. It could be something that we, we look to adopt if we are trying to be a little bit more possession-heavy than he was at Forest. But it, it, it's something to consider. I mean, if, if it was a close call and one of them had better use of the ball, you're going to go for that, even if it's just for comfort on on clearances and so on. But, yeah, interesting to see. I think it'll be a, a battle that hopefully is, is close and develops over the course of preseason. So you've highlighted centre-back as being one of the important areas that we need to um, recruit in or at least look at... Uh changing um you've also mentioned that the wing backs is going to be a very important area but you're quite happy at the minute with what we've got at least as a first choice option jordan um yes and no i think on paper i'm i'd be happy with Femenia and kamara the, the question mark is really is how often is Femenia going to be able to play how often is he going to have to come off the pitch this isn't a, a plug and play right back situation where you can sub off for many after 65 minutes and bring on Ngakia and yeah it's just not like for like but you've got enough talent elsewhere to, to compensate this is a, a system that has a heavy emphasis on the, the player the wing back so I think if you do change that style of player or you kind of have diminishing returns from the, from the substitute it's going to affect the team quite heavily especially in games that could be close and you need to be pressing on to the final minute so that you know that's not even a count of the fact that we could be without for many for a, a month or a few weeks that would be uh, kind of somewhat disastrous potentially to to a team that, that Rob Edwards is looking to develop. So I think having someone similar to Femenia, someone that can offer something uh, along those lines is, is key. And I think that's one of the first areas we definitely have to address in the off-season is, is how do we sort this situation, have Femenia there, potentially, you know, maybe be a starter or at least be a very good backup as someone that could play on either side as a wing-back. And you've no doubt that Kamara could fill that role. I know we've seen for many of you do it before. So Yeah, Kamara's played advanced in, in a, in a wing-back situation before and 
he's got all the um, he's got all the carrying ability, uh, all the delivery. He has the defensive F, uh, work weight and um, attitude to be able to get back and, and, and play in those areas too. So I think he'd, he'd suit that role um, definitely for championship level. I think he could he could easily play there. Central midfield, is that an area that um, is going to need some adjusting given that we've got quite a few central midfielders that may be off? Yes. It does need adjusting, yeah. yeah. It it's, it's a dire. It did. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a quite a dire midfield and I think it, it depends. I mean, you've got you have, if you're accounting, depends what you're accounting for. If you're accounting for the return of um, of Deli Bashiru and Zinkenegel as potential central options, then it looks more positive. But I still think there's a kind of restructuring that needs to take place at that midfield because we are lacking the ability to play the ball quite heavily, uh, as well as just some just some general kind of all round midfielders. We've got a lot of mobility and and effort. Uh, maybe actually a lot of mobility is overstating it. We have some effort, try-hard midfielders, but we, we are lacking quality there. And I think we have to improve that if we're going to be suddenly dropping down and being a much more possession-heavy team. Even last time in the championship, we had some quality in there, of course, with Will Hughes, but the, the majority of our attacks stem from those wide areas and overloading those wide positions. And whilst they'll still be quite heavily emphasised under under Edwards, most likely through the wing-backs, we do have to have the, the flexibility in midfield to be moving and, and helping those wing-backs in passing situations, being smart, getting into the right position and having the ability to actually kind of get into some some tighter spaces and play through some some difficult areas. And I don't think we have the quality to do that right now, even at championship level. So Imran Loser is is pretty much a certain starter if he's, if he's fit. And we know he's had that operation probably as early as he possibly can do once relegation was confirmed. Just hope that he'll be ready for the, the start of, of next season. Mm-hmm. Who are going to be the two if we make no recruitment uh, that that you'd that you'd start with, or, or does it not even it, it, that, that doesn't bear even, thinking about? Doesn't bear thinking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I think almost. It, I mean, if was, if I was to say the two that I'd want to start with, um, it would it would at least be requiring the the return of uh, of Dele Bashir and Zinkanego. I think they'd be in there for me. Yeah, those two. Right if there. not, yeah, I mean, if not, I I, I struggle to see any partners I really want for loser in that midfield. Especially once you take out Sissoko, then it's really looking quite bleak. In a composition sense, what's your three in there? You presumably want someone that's going to sit and break up play to an extent, someone that's going to go box to box and someone who's got that kind of, you know, can link up, drift around and kind of got a bit more guile and what have you. Is that, is that fair? Is that what you'd be looking for in terms of what those roles represent? Potentially, I'm not sure. We, I'm not sure we necessarily need someone to sit in there and break up play uh, in the traditional sense. Uh, I think if you look at um, the way that Edwards plays his t- the way his team plays off the ball, they're very aggressive winning the ball back. So it's not so much a passive team that's sitting there and needs that that anchor to kind of break those lines and, and cut through the, or cut those passing lanes. The opponent, uh, you could definitely get away with being so, being a little bit more. A little, bit, a little bit more fluid defensively through pressing in forward areas, but also having someone that's able to to get up and down like Loser. You could even look at Loser as your main defensive option in a sense, just through his pressing. He can play deep. He can pass the ball from deep. If you had a couple of players like him, that might even give you more flexibility if you've got some rotation going on in midfield. You might des- not necessarily need a, uh, an Atibo or or someone like that. You could you could get away with playing a different way. So it, it really depends. But I, I think it, you could go down that route. But I think the real key for me, Having two players that can play deeper, that are able to rotate, uh, get forward when needed if they can, as well as playing between lines a little bit and helping get the ball into some forward areas, because it can be 
it can be difficult to, to find your forwards in the three at the back situation and you have to have smart midfielders. And I think we don't currently have that. So how you'd structure that midfield is kind of up to you. But you've also, I think, another one to address is that kind of more attacking, forward-thinking midfielder who does have a big defensive emphasis on uh, starting presses and, and setting those traps. And the sign that we've seen Zinconegel do quite successfully at Nottingham yeah. Forest this year. So I, I think if you're Rob Edwards, you're looking at him, you're looking at Zinconegel right now and thinking that's a play you could put into your team uh, and, and kind of tick that box quite nicely. As for the other one next to loser, that's what that one is the, is the one that's open for me. Also, too, I guess there's also the element that we didn't mention last time. I didn't mention in my video that I recorded too, but could Domingos Quina fill one of those roles as well? Is, is also potential for that. Yeah, definitely. Just on a table, I see in the time that we've been recording, they've uh, the Watford Observer sorry, is reporting that we won't activate the option to make his deal permanent, and that mm-hmm. Kutska is has a twelve month option, um, mm-hmm. which is up in the air. So no rush to make those decisions. I would say in terms of yeah. Rob Edwards, uh, you know. It, it would not be a shame to see everybody kind of cleared out. No. Also, um, another player that could also potentially fill one of those forward roles is Yasser Spriller, who's played quite a lot um, kind of deeper and played off the striker and in a more of attacking midfield situation. He's, he's someone that could potentially be involved in that space too, in as well as even Joe Pedro if needed. So that we do have options there. It's just, I think there's some, we've got a few players that are kind of, at that stage of their career where they're still developing and defining their roles, that there's still enough kind of wiggle room for Edwards to to maybe define them slightly differently than what we've expected and, and we might see a different option from from some of these players than we expect. So we do have potential there, but we, we do have to address it at the same time. Yeah, up front is where we look most happy, right? It's tough. I'm, I'm not sure because we... Uh, King most likely is off, I, I feel. Um, yeah, Pedro and, and Chicho Hernandez we have, of course, but then what, what, what's the depth after that? You know, where, where's our where's our depth coming through? And where are we looking for? Because we are going to be playing two strikers. So do you have to look for one or two more to add to that? Can you look at some of these players like Espria uh, or even perhaps Zinconegel as someone that could step into a more forward position should we need them? Uh, but for me, I, I, I do think that we we need to um, be looking for somewhat of a mobile target man, someone that can play wide, come central, but... Play with his back to goal and bring others into play and allow some of those more attacking players to, to play off of him and, and just kind of create that fluidity and, and interchange of a position that we're going to need. One last bit of breaking news. Um, Adam Leventhal just reported that Juraj Kuchka is set to leave the club following relegation. Wasn't option for the year, but decision now, uh, sorry, decision not to extend now made. Alternative options now being looked at abroad, unlikely to stay in England. So that okay. sounds like Juraj Kuchka will not be returning yeah. to oh. Liquid Road. Oh. And that's the train just confirming that. Oh, I literally <laughs> unmuted myself for that to go off. That is unbelievable. Um, the breaking news on this show is unreal. In the space of five minutes, we've we've brought you an update to a story that we just brought you. That we in, are incredible, unreal. This is what how much the podcast has developed in recent weeks, isn't it? We've just we've really gone to the next level with the, the live news updates. They wait for us. They wait for us to pod before they release the break. <laughs> it does feel that way. Do because... inform the club when we're recording these sessions, just so they can release these statements as well. Yeah, Kutzka, I feel like is someone that could have been an option in the championship. I think we discussed him possibly in the last few weeks. You know, you don't want him starting every week, and particularly at his age and in a, a physically demanding league. But I just feel like, you know, his kind of combative nature and what have you, he would have been potentially quite handy. But I dare say he probably didn't come cheap either, given the, the career he's had and the experience he's got. So 
Um, if he's backing willingness to play in the championship, then it's probably no bad thing. And that's just a guess, no aspersion against him. Um, it's, it's probably no bad thing to move him out either, is it? And, and, and give Rob Edwards a bit more money to work with to bring someone young and, and hungry in. Mm. Yeah. In terms of strikers, I, I think, yeah, Matt, you're right. It's, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it the best of a bad bunch? Yeah, that's it. it's like of, the uh, least worst yeah. almost, isn't it? That, Joe Pedro, that's what he should have called our player of the season award as well. Oh, yeah. it should have been. In the last couple of games, I've really liked what I've seen from Joe Pedro. Um, you know, I'm still not necessarily convinced he is the kind of out-and-out line-leading striker. You know, I think perhaps playing him with somebody would get, who does that role would get the best out of him. Uh, I think Cucho we've seen you know, increasingly more from as the season's gone on and hopefully he'll be... Um, he will benefit from a season a bit like Pedro did last last year in in the championship and and kind of toughen him up and get used to English football and all that the nasty stuff that it's about. Um, but we're evidently going to need more, aren't we? Just when you were saying there, Jordan, about kind of a, a mobile target man who can play in the wide areas as well. Honestly, I can't believe this thought came into my mind. But is that not a role that might suit Ashley Fletcher a little bit? Yeah, um, it is potentially. Un- I'm not sure there's enough upside for Fletcher for us. I think he was a short-term cover option, but whether or not they see him as a, as a longer term, I think the thing is when you're building for promotion too, you really want to be looking at players that, especially if you're bringing players in, how can they adapt? Could they play in the league above as well if that's your ultimate goal? Uh, and I think Fletcher's one that maybe at a pinch as cover, but I still think we most likely won't be playing with that sort of player from the beginning of the season for and have that sort of player in the starting eleven for most games. So is Fletcher someone you want to kind of... Is he, is he someone you want to back for the majority of the season or do you want to have someone a little bit more with more upside long-term? I think if we're going to be a t- bringing that sort of attacker in, Fletcher would still be there to supplement, but I could be wrong. But that is the sort of player I mean. Although, having said that, I think Fletcher has some of the attributes that can do that, but I also don't think that his... His all-round game is actually necessarily that of a mobile target man, although he has the body type for it and he he can do some of those things. He's actually kind of a little bit more effective playing a little bit more centrally and and more of a stagnant kind of striker. And I'm not sure that he necessarily does fit the role fully or enough to to warrant that being our guy. Yeah, no, I certainly wouldn't want him to be my first choice, but I just thought, you know, in terms of what we've got already, does he... It might be a depth option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, When does his loan run out? Oh, good question. So, having said that, obviously we all know my thoughts on the uh, once you leave Watford, you're dead to Watford uh, theory. <laughs> so, the likelihood of him coming back, I feel, is fairly. Well, you're pretty warm on Ben Foster a little while ago. Well, that's true. That is true. Hypocrite. Uh, let me just. Tom Cleverley. I, I mean, you're yeah, more, more than you're a anything. big Tom Cleverley fan as well. Yeah. Uh, six months loan with an option to purchase for New York Red Bulls. And that was in February. So what's that going to take him up to August? July, yeah. August, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, good question. Don't hold your breath is what I'd say. I'm just seeing how it's done. But I, I do think that is a, is a player that we have to, that sort of that sort of profile is someone we have to look at. Um, he's not, he's think... not exactly torn up uh, MLS either. Six appearances, three starts, no goals, and an XG of 0.7. There. Right. So they are. Oh. They can keep him then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Shall we move on to some questions from uh, some of the listeners? Let's do it. Let's do it. Yep. All right, so the first one comes from Dorita, uh, and she says, how can the manager deal with all the toxicity in the team? And does it make sense to keep William Trooster Kong, uh, who she believes is a good influence in the team? Just start with this one, Tom. Yeah, by all means. Um, I think the easiest thing is replace the is, team. Yeah, pretty much. It's, <laughs> it sounds like a flippant answer, but honestly, I think that is. I think that is the thing. I've, we've talked, you know, ad nauseum about the kind of strength of character in this group or lack thereof, and you know, any adjective that you can throw at them, kind of you know, feckless, spineless, lily-livered, feeble, meek, pathetic, weak. It's all it's all fair and it's all accurate. And That should also uh, be before the Player of the Season award as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you only you only have to see what's been going on since relegation to 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 realise that. So yeah, I think that you know the the bigger broom he awarded to sweep through and get rid of these characters, the better. That's not to write them all off. There are clearly players there that care and have the right attitude. And I think, you know, we've talked about a lot of them already in this show, but guys like Cucho, Jao Pedro, who, um, you know, have, have shown everything, you know, show, have given everything and, and shown what they're about and what kind of characters they are this season should absolutely be in there. Imran Loser, who, you know, was hobbling around on his crutches, having had his knee surgery to do the lap of dishonour is another one, evidently, who who seems to care. Hassan Kamara, although I'm a bit cynical sometimes, sceptical perhaps about whether he has a good uh, social media guy or does his own posts, you know, evidently gives off the impression of, of caring. And there are others. And Trooster Kong is absolutely one of those, falls into that category. You know, I think he's been on the end. I think, however, whatever you think about his performances this season, I, th- I don't think anyone would disagree that he hasn't deserved the, the level of vitriol. And there isn't another word more apt for it that he's taken, he's been on the end of on social media this season. He evidently cares. He is, by admission, a Watford fan. You know, if we want people that care and are going to give their all, then I think I think he's an option. Uh, whether he starts every game, not so sure. But 
he is a leader, I believe, and he is uh, a Watford fans we say, and it's you know something we like to see, isn't it? So I don't I don't see why he shouldn't be at least given the chance, I suppose, to 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 earn a place. But here's my um, issue with Will Trustecong. Uh he's perfectly great for the uh, championship. Um, and I agree with Dorota that uh, I think he's a great influence on the team. I mean, just look at what he did last, not this, you know, this season we got promoted. He, he was very influential. Um, but if we want someone to sort of be able to grow with the side and hopefully make the step up, then maybe we should be starting with somebody who we think might have a chance of doing that because I'm not sure if Will really made a good enough case for being a Premier League player. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. In, in terms of the the other part of the question, um, how do you change the culture of the club? And I think I think I'd have to say, just from my own experience of any sort of similar things being in those sorts of change rooms or or around those sorts of teams, I think the the, the trick is I, I don't think those authoritarian coaches really really work that well anymore. It's very rare that you they're able to do so successfully. Obviously, we saw. Uh, kind of how it didn't work with Vladimir Ivic this time last relegation season we went down and obviously tried to go down that route it didn't work out at all uh, I think the best thing you can do and something which I think Rob Edwards by all accounts seems to do anyway is, is to try and make try and make your your team the team you want to be on and I think that comes down to any any squad uh, any any big squad especially when you're going through pre-season the players that aren't playing often unhappy there's always going to be some level of, of unrest and the way you combat that is to make sure that they want to be in this team and they want to be playing in, in in this squad. And I think you can create that atmosphere by having open communication and respect for each other, but also having clear boundaries, clear clear rules to stick by. And that doesn't just go for, for Rob, that also goes from, from the, the people above Rob and, and how we operate as a club and and where that respect should lie. And I think we have to we have to address that. And I think that's one of the side effects of, of having managers that change so often is those sorts of boundaries start to fade away. And then suddenly these players are left in a situation without without structure uh, and without any real leadership. So if Rob is able to to be someone that can uh, create that sort of atmosphere around uh, around the place, and I think that's the that's the trick to eradicating a, a negative culture, uh, for lack of a better term. I don't think the players are necessarily bad people or or necessarily prone to being kind of bad eggs amongst the group. But if, if the atmosphere is bad around the club, it, it trickles down into the dressing room and it, you know, we, we see it on the pitch as well. So I, I think the the reset of, of or the potential reset of the team should benefit that situation as well as adding a few other kind of intangibles, whether that be through the character um, coachability of players that you bring in and possibly retaining some of the people like uh, within Trista Kong who, who can be valuable to the club, maybe outside of just his ability on the pitch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, Dini didn't really have much of a playing role in that last season he had with us, but uh, by all accounts, he was very important off the pitch, wasn't he? And maybe Will Truskokong can have uh, you know, a similar um, you know, influence on the team mm-hmm. in maybe not yeah, as much not? of a playing capacity. But um, cool. Uh, next question comes from Nick DA. He says... Who could we realistically sign from Udinese this summer that fits our new approach? Uh, we all know it's going to happen, he adds. Yes, yeah, so in terms of uh, Udinese players, uh, Lazarsa Marzic is someone that could potentially be be useful. Tall, big body midfielder that can kind of play a little bit further forward. He can be uh, be kind of aggressive in the press. He can attack, get into the box, 
play wide even at times. He's not someone that's featured a huge amount this season, but he has been fairly decent um, by all standards. So he's someone that could potentially be looking for more game time, only 20 years old. You know, you could even potentially look at someone like Filip Benkovic that has only recently joined Udinese, um, kind of known for his time in in England at Leicester uh, with, a, with a loan spot in the Championship previously. Maybe he could occupy one of those centre-back positions, potentially even that central centre-back position uh, if we look into kind of strengthen that back line like we've talked about. But, you know, it's tough. There's a few players that, that are there, but I, I still think we'd be looking elsewhere as well. We might, uh, kind of a last resort, bring in someone to to help strengthen things a bit like we did with Samir, but not necessarily going to be um, the, the kind of main avenue of, of transfers that it has been in, in previous times of the Championship. Mm. You know, I do feel as though um, we are going to be looking, like you say, Jordan, for a whole different approach, not just, you know, like we've seen with the manager, but also with where we make our recruitment from. And you also mm. have to bring in the fact that um, it's becoming ever more increasingly difficult to bring in players from outside of the United Kingdom um, because of the various rulings that, that are, yeah. are in place with uh, non, uh, well, non-British based players, right? I, I don't, I don't know all of them. I don't know any of them really. It doesn't make it more complicated, yeah. I just know it's harder. I know it's, I know it's a lot harder. Yeah. yeah. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Well, sorry we didn't have much more than that for you, Nick. But um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a, there's a couple of names that you know could be useful in our squad whether or not they would come to us is another question entirely i do have one here um this is from the chef's table event which is uh, a twitter page which contact obviously run by a Watford fan and contacts us with questions every now and then so shout out to the chef's table uh event <laughs> can the chef's table event send the pod any kind of like snacks or food to to enjoy that's whilst? true we'd love to have a catered podcast by the chef's table event if that's we don't even know if that's what they do but a one-off time <laughs> it says official twitter account of the chef's table event first stop Harby fields islington march 2019 so anyway i've had a good few go back and forth with the chef table and seems like a nice nice guy or girl anyway question uh, was it just me who found the sight of Rob Edwards in the stands completely undermined by Gioretta and Bayat sitting in the front in the row in front? This is Mogai Mogai Bayat, right? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. So I've only seen the photo retrospectively, but um, it does feel really weird that we're kind of pushing forward with this new agenda, but the old sort of like empire is still in the background there, lurking, and mm. you know. Uh, it's hard for me not to go into some sort of Star Wars reference now, but um... hey, if you if you have to use a Star Wars reference to get your point across, <laughs> I'm, I'm more than here for it. Well, you know, they might have got rid of Darth Vader, but um, you know, the Empire hasn't been crushed yet, has it? Mm. Yeah. Look, I mean, <laughs> it's it's a question. What what are your thoughts on on? By I feel like we are kind of going down a, a even with Jaretta, I think things have gone a little bit Giraudi in terms of fan opinion. What what's what are you thinking here? <sighs> Yeah, it's so hard to know what these people actually do, isn't it? Giretta, this is. Um, I, read, I was writing a piece about something else the other day, which I haven't finished, and I found an interview from when he joined, and he was talking about what he did. And he certainly, you know, it sounded like he was the one that was ultimately taking responsibility for recruitment. But we still don't know quite how true that is. If that is the case and these signings are all his, then he needs, you know, a very quickly... A hastily drawn up P45 sending in his general direction. Um, but equally, but at the same time, we do know that Moji, Moggy, I don't like him being Moggy because that's cat and I quite like cats. 
Moji Bayer <laughs> is um, is obviously heavily involved. And we, we've seen him with other clubs, haven't we? This kind of agent-led recruitment. Arsenal very famously using Kierdrabshin. It is Kierdrabshin, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, and there have been, you know, countless other clubs. Um, quite a few years ago, it was Willie Mackay and Doncaster, wasn't it? He was sort of planting mm. his players there. Um, and I, I think because of the general rep that agents get, people don't like it. Obviously, there's a lot more to the Moji Bayer stuff. I realise it's not just a hunch. Like there is, there is a lot of reporting around his role at non and things that he's been accused of, and so on and so forth. So I understand why no one would want us associated with that. But I think generally, it, I always find it kind of hard to understand why you would potentially limit yourself to what that you know who's on that agent's books who that agent can open doors to and so on and so forth and without being on the inside it's probably quite hard to understand i'm sure there are upsides right like i'm sure you know if you've if if you've got a you know preferential arrangement with an agent that's got access to certain players or access to certain clubs and it opens doors that might not open as easily or or gets you deals that you know are preferential uh, you know, in terms of cost and, and so on and so forth. So I'm sure there are upsides, but it just, you know, in the spirit of a, a clean start, a fresh start and, and wiping the slate clean and allowing Rob Edwards to bring in young, hungry players. And I'm sure there are one or two he would love to bring from Forest Green. I see in the time since we talked about Abu Adams uh, on last week's pod or in the midweek pod, Matt, he's now gone to Cardiff City. Um, they're talking about Kane Wilson going to Nottingham Forest, aren't they? Because they need to replace Jed Spence, you know. So I'm sure there's one or two that he would probably like, quite like to bring from Forest Green Rovers. And you do, you do feel like if we're going down this route and we're committing to it lock stock, um, you know, the head coach needs to be able to play an active role in recruiting the players that he feels fit his system and his style of play and, and the roles within that team. Um, and and just going here's this very limited menu of players that, that are represented by a friend of the owner or a friend of the sporting director isn't a faithful and and kind of fully open route to go down. So I hope that there is some introspection in the kind of recruitment corridors of power this summer, but I'll hold my breath, put it that way. Yeah, because I mean, Bayer was kind of in this in this situation at Nantes as well, where he was he was viewed as in as much in a very similar sort of way. He was heavily involved in all the transfers and always around the place, um, and kind of got the same sort of reputation. I think it's it's difficult because he kind of this does happen with agents where clubs will use their contacts and uh, just kind of not like knowledge of availability of players and so on. They'll use those agents as some sort of kind of de facto kind of part-time director of football and kind of head of recruitment they'll use those as an outsider coming into the club almost kind of contracting their services but it's obviously very beneficial for the for these guys because they end up taking percentages of deals of players they don't even represent uh, and sometimes they can be involved in finding places for players who try and move on uh, and taking some of that role away from the agent of the actual player themselves which becomes quite messy and obviously causes a lot of controversy there's definitely a tendency for clubs to work with agents. That's not that's not new. Every single club does it, whether it's as singular as it as it can be or can feel with with Watford and, and Mogi Bayer, or you know whether it's on a bit of a broader scale and it's a few like a handful of agents. But a hundred percent clubs do this. It's a it's a quick streamlined way of getting players. And when when clubs are looking for players, 
one of the first things they'll do is send uh, send to their kind of list of contacts the agents they trust and, and have used before. They'll send them a list of their requirements. And the agents will kind of send them back anything that sounds uh, relevant to that search and uh, and so on. That's how it goes. But the, the consistent present of him uh, at games is, is question, questionable. I think also too with the quality of the players that he has brought to the club, really kind of heavily ranging in quality. It does make you feel a little uncertain as to as to what's going to happen ongoing, but that's not even including all the kind of legal controversy surrounding him uh, and, and his role in in facilitating deals with with other clubs as well. I think that's a big thing, isn't it? That if um, in football, if I'm being cynical, you know, we do tend to overlook unsavory things if the end result um, justifies that. You know, look at West Ham fans kind of accepting Kurt Zuma kicking a cat because he's one of their better players. Um, uh, and you know, let's face it, we're not we're not infallible here either. We've overlooked the crimes of players in the past because they deliver on the field. But uh, his signings or the players that he is associated with have been pretty uh, pretty poor on the whole, haven't they? So it's not even like he's got that to fall back on. He's had one or two hits, hasn't he? Is he is he Kamara's agent? I think he is Kamara's agent. Yes. Mm. So that is yeah. obviously one of the hits. Dennis, did he bring Dennis in? Was that someone yeah. else? Yeah. So I, I mean, he's Dennis. he's he's made the club a lot of money there potentially. But also, Kayembe, Alore, uh, these sorts of players as well. I think, Who's I think the I'd be Alore. Oh, oh fine. Yeah. Yes, sorry. So he's lost money. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think that says Im- it all, doesn't it? <laughs> Imran loser as well, I believe. All right. Okay. So three um, decent ones. So there is. It's not that. It's, it's not that it's all bad. It's just that no. it it limits your pool. And I think. I I think as I said, it is a reality of of how football, of how football happens. But um, it's it is still somewhat troubling to think of your club being so streamlined in their views. And it doesn't mean they just have to use him. For me, for me, the the question is really, are we? open enough to well I think we can I think we have a tendency as a club to become quite insular and quite separated from from other teams and other approaches and I do worry when you see someone like like Bayat being around all the time are we going to kind of channel our attention too much to that uh, and at the kind of neglect of, of other areas and other ways of approaching things so yeah we'll see but it's it, it is slightly odd I have to say is there a reason why why we as a club would want to go to an agent and find out who is on his list of players that he represents rather than just going directly for talent that we like and dealing with whoever their representative is? Well, you'd be surprised how difficult it can be to get information on players um, <clears throat> when it comes to, for example, if you wanted to go after a certain player uh, and get in contact, it's, there's not always an open stream of communication from from player and club that you can just go through and speak to. So sometimes it can even just be a case of, of knowing who's going to be out of contract because obviously you have sites like Transfer Market that have these kind of um, these basic kind of dates of transfers or contracts expiring and so on. But the reality is a lot of these things are quite unclear and, and oftentimes we use the the knowledge and the kind of database of knowledge that the agents bring and through their own contacts and through themselves to to find out what the actual situation of a player is uh, and, and just get more information and just have a, a kind of cable of communication because it can be quite difficult to achieve. So that's one reason. And also just the speed of, of how a deal can be facilitated. Oftentimes these deals can be advanced for a long period of time and break down. You know, more transfers don't go through than do. So if you're a club looking to recruit kind of a high, relatively high turnover and you have an agent which you feel can bring you quality, but also 
massively streamline the, the process and, and get deals done in a timely fashion, then you might see that as a benefit as well. Okay. There's also um, another part of that question, which was uh, regarding Richard Hughes, who's the current director of football at Forest Green Rovers. Um, are we a good fit for him? Um, what, has he moved towards us? Well, he's he's at he's at Forest Green Rovers. So the question is, um, would he potentially come to Vicarage Road in that no role? No, no, no. They wouldn't want him, would they? Be linked with Portsmouth yeah. anyway, isn't he? Director of football role there because he's ex-player. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, but good question. Though. We haven't mentioned the fact that um, that Rob Edwards is bringing his uh, assistant manager across. Yeah, and that yeah. strikes me as potentially significant because. In the past, they have been. I think they've all, to some extent, been allowed a coach or two. You know, depending on kind of how senior there are. I think, if I remember rightly, Matt Zari brought quite a few with him, but some of the others haven't necessarily. But it, the fact that you know, straight off the bat, he's being allowed to bring someone who he obviously trusts and has got kind of gotten a lot of credit and gotten a lot of credit for some of their set piece routines, from which they've been very, um, very profitable this season very prolific this season strikes me as, as as a step in the right direction you know I'm not saying give the guy the keys to the the kingdom but you know give him the tools and 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 materials with it with which to do the best possible job and I think that means bringing his you know kind of right hand man with him definitely mine it helps it helps it kind of helps that transition doesn't it and having having that familiarity for for Edwards and, and bringing able to being able to bring someone in who's you know, heavily involved in in practice training sessions, and you know he's he's his his right hand man. They they do their a lot of their work together. So yeah, I mean, allow him to have that and and see what else he wants to to bring across. But uh, I think Richie Carl is is something that this, he has to be part of uh, Edward's team. There are a couple of questions to the uh, the Watford Pod account. Uh, so Joel Isaac Heilpern, will the new head coach be allowed to the time to develop his own style and squad based off his own ideas and not Pozzo Network, Moji, Giretta, Ducks, Giretti, Giretta, Duxbury, and Co. Giving their two pence. Well, I think we've probably kind of covered that to an extent. Um, unless anyone's got anything, anything to add on it. I mean, I think it has to at least we have to at least try somewhat to, to water down that approach and. I don't think it'll be completely out of their control because we, and honestly, I don't think it's healthy for us to, to give up all, um, all of that access from those other, other positions because you need to have a, a clear structure, but it's important to have those inputs because if you do invest too heavily in Rob Edwards and say, let's just say best case scenario, things are successful, it works well. Then what happens when Rod Edwards leaves us and we have to restart, you know, you need to have some contingencies in place. And oftentimes that's by having, um, somewhat of a, a stable kind of cast of uh, input from the from the outside, but we've always kind of struggled to, to kind of have clear boundaries on that that sort of role. Um, but now I think we need to kind of slowly move away from it and open things up a little bit, but still still retain some level of uh, kind of dichotomy of leadership. Chris Bone, Lincoln Horn. It says, "What's the contract situation regarding the whole squad?" Might be a long podcast. How many are expiring or relegation break clauses? Chain went, didn't it? Yeah. What is the contract situation regarding the whole squad? How many are expiring or relegation break clauses? Asks Chris Bone. I think, again, we've probably covered that at the moment. Um, and I suspect that the uh, retained and released list will be coming out in the next uh, fortnight, won't it? After the, once the season's ended. So we'll have a mm-hmm. bit more 
clarity there. But the other one we haven't mentioned that is definitely up is uh, uh, Nkulu and Tom Cleverley. Mm. Uh, Mikey Abrahams, two from him. I've seen something about possible interest in Bailey Cargill from Forest Green Rovers. Do you know much about him? I assume he's been a wide centre-back rather than in the middle of three. And also, are there any Arsenal youngsters we could get in on loan next season, realistically? I think, am I right in thinking we've kind of said in the not-too-distant past that we're not really about um, taking youngsters on loan from other clubs and kind of developing their kids? Or is who, was the, who was the youngster that was referring to? Uh, no, no one, just any youngsters that oh. we could potentially take from Arsenal on loan. Uh, yeah, but well, there, there is a strategic kind of partnership in place now, isn't there, between us? And yeah, them. and honestly, I think it is beneficial when it comes to, you know, we talk about, we talk about having the ability to to add depth, but also if you're looking for a specific situation, I mean, for example, say we're talking about that kind of ball playing midfield that we need to have in there alongside loser, and you can you can help at that attacking midfielder. You might look at some of the players that Arsenal have and say, yeah, actually this guy fits. We can get him in for a season. We can, If things go well, we can readjust in the summer and maybe look at bringing someone in that important position, but with the ability to invest a little more in. You know, why not? And I think it's a good thing to do. It's a good way of kind of adding a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of freshness to the squad and obviously I mean we're all very familiar with the benefits of the loan system I think they still apply to us even if you are looking to to change approach uh, I, I still think it's a positive uh, route for us to go down yeah I, I, I agree with that uh, Watford Sean do you think the Rob Edwards appointment is a true moment of significant change or do we think this is a carrot to lead fans through another season of making the same mistakes I think there's a question in similar vein to a lot of um these but hopefully we've we've answered it um nick lansing recycle question too late for last week's pod is relegation good for watford i feel if we hung on in the prem it would validate the frequent firings and our older ragtag roster second consecutive relegation out of the premier league forces the team to reset so is it that so is that good or bad it's not good that we got relegated but i do agree with his his train of thought if we did stay up it reinforces the negatives that we've kind of got away with doing you know it's this. It's kind of feels like if you, I don't know, if you, if you, if you, if you're an alcoholic and you go to the doctors and he says your liver is actually okay, then you know you might you might not stop drinking. It doesn't mean it's good for you, but you've got away with it for another year. That's a weird analogy to use. I'm not an alcoholic, but um, if we were do you work to, in beer? that's true. I do have. There is a connection to beer, um, but if we were to, you know, get relegated and, and successfully change approach, we are kind of forced into that into that that way of thinking now because we have failed essentially at our goal so it is good in the sense that it does kind of highlight the mistakes we've made and at least kind of put them to the forefront of our mind and think that even if we were to get promoted again uh, under the same kind of approach as we had previously it's not very easy to to kind of replicate the success in the division above so yes and no but I, I could definitely get behind saying that it's a good thing in some ways what do you think cool. Yeah, I agree. It, 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 people kind of tend to throw that out as, a, oh yeah, it'll be, um, you know, it'll be beneficial going down. And then you see teams like Sunderland. I'm not for a second saying we're going to do this, but you know, fall through the divisions mm. um, because th- there is a lot of residual negativity. You know, we're not going to be able to solve everything in in one transfer window. It's not going to be as simple as clearing everybody out and then signing a whole new team and playing brilliant football and winning the division at a canter, but. I think on this occasion it will force some long overdue change. And as I wrote before, anything to get away from this um, 
you know, necessity to get promoted, necessity to stay up has to be a good thing. I'd, I would rather, pers- or, or that is my worry, that we'll get, you know, we will remain in that uh, vicious cycle. So anything that kind of gets us away from that has got to be good. And I think most fans would accept two, three seasons in the Championship if the payoff for that was, you know, a, a team that they could identify with, some youngsters coming through and really standing for something and having an, a style of football and, and reconnecting with the club. So, uh, you know, a long road ahead, but... I have some reasons to feel optimistic and I think a lot of fans do as well. I think most fans, if you told them, look, next season, you know, we're going to go down, we're going to change some things, we're going to have to implement some new ideas, change a lot of stuff on and off the field, but, you know, we're going to lose some games, but we're going to try and, and, and progress a little bit here and we can see some positives, we can see a route of progression, how we can improve over a number of seasons and have a, a little bit of a plan in terms of recruitment, how we're going to play. Uh, I think most fans would take that if it meant kind of you know fighting for a playoff spot or you know that if that was what we were doing and we saw positives and I think we'd take that because I don't think that anyone feels confident that if we were to go back with a similar approach to what we did last time and got promoted I don't think anyone has any sort of feeling that we wouldn't end up in this position again in the year in two years time so uh, we just need to see uh, a change of approach and, and some kind of incremental improvements along the way. Another one from Nick, and it's a very good question, actually. I don't think anyone else has asked anything like this recently. What's the impact of multiple managers on young players? Jao Pedro, for example, is now on his fifth Watford manager in two years. Do players generally benefit from experiencing different tactical styles in coaching, or is it confusing and frustrating? I guess it depends on the individual to an extent, but but what do we think overall? That's a good question. Matt, do you want to answer this? Do you want to have a go at this? Uh, I mean, I can only think of myself in terms of how would I feel if if I had different managers at work and um, I think I would find it quite quite frustrating because I imagine the plan would you know be changing quite often and you know things that we'd work we'd be working towards and you know maybe maybe there was a project and we were all sort of like really trying hard to sort of get this completed and then all of a sudden the management changed and that project has to be scrapped because we're now working towards um, mm. different things and I think I'd probably feel quite annoyed because I was like oh I was, I was really quite getting good at doing that particular thing and now I have to forget about that and move on now I realise you know, football is you know probably more simplistic than um, you know some kind of business where um, there, there can be all sorts of different ideas ultimately the, the goal with football is to win the game isn't it I mean there can be only so many ways to do that but um, I think I would probably be more frustrated than pleased uh, had I had so many managers in such a short space of time, but that's just me. What, what, what does everyone else think? That's better than my alcoholic analogy. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think it depends on the, on the individual, as Tom was saying. There, I think it really does depend, and also it depends how many of these managers suit what what you do. But, but there's an argument for both. You, you get to expose yourself to different ideas, different approaches, uh, but it can be destabil- uh It can be unsettling too. It can. It, it can make things difficult for a young player that's looking to develop skills and, and traits of, of their game. Uh, but overall, I think it, it, a lot of it also comes down to how positive the time of, of, the, of the, the manager being at that club is. And if he's allowed to, to imprint some, some different ideas and you get to, to work under them, I think it helps because it just it broadens their horizons a little bit. But having said that, there are also lots of benefits to having time to to learn a style of approach without the need for as maybe as immediate return uh, from you as an individual. And I think some of the players like Jao Pedro and stuff, they've 
they've done well considering. Um, and much of the time, their role has stayed relatively similar. But, you know, you look, look at Pedro now. He's played in the front two. He's played up front in his own. He's played wide. And I think he's a better player for it. Uh, so it just depends. But I think the next step for these players, for sure, I think we we want to see the benefit of working under one man for a while uh, and seeing how they can adapt in that way because a lot of them have been exposed to uh, quite a few managers, as you said, already being exposed to quite a few. So I think it would also be interesting to see the flip side of that at Watford where we can uh, watch these players kind of develop and, and come to their kind of talent come out through uh, a more singular approach, much like, uh, much like we saw from Wilson at Forest Green mm. uh, under Edwards. And the final one, Nicholas Smith, Nick the Hornet. Can a leopard change its spots? Nice one to finish on. What do we think? Um, I think it depends how open the leopard is to... Um, <laughs> to... <laughs> To addressing the the issues that the, the, the that they've had, I mean, there's a few things that that can, it's such a fluid thing. There's so many elements at play, so many factors at play, so many leopards, if you will, involved in that decision making process. That we have to kind of hope we've got the right combination of people there. And obviously, there's been things to suggest that we can't. But I think ultimately, these people want success, uh, and they maybe are stubborn to their ideas and, and and so on. But as time goes on you can only argue against it so long. And I think we have reached that breaking point where they have to effectively change spots now. Otherwise, it's uh, it's adapt or die, I think. Matt, if you don't call this episode leopard psychology, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> it's done. It's Good done. Man. And now everyone that made it all the way to the end will know exactly why exactly. it was called That's leopard a psychology. We just, we just fell into analogies by the end of this podcast, didn't we? There was quite a few, wasn't there? Um. <laughs> yeah, if an alcoholic leopard can change a spot at Matt's work, then then we're we're doing well. Um, <laughs> final final is that the final question? You say that was the final question. Yeah, yeah, that was the final one. Yeah. All right, Great. Well. well, it's been a good episode, guys. Okay, um, well, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, just one more to go, thankfully, and then we can have a little bit of a break before coming back and actually feeling a bit more positive because any reviews? My goodness, no reviews. Please review us, but no one's no reviewed reviews. us since February. There must I be someone need, out there listening who's thinking, oh, I haven't incentive. reviewed them yet. We need some incentive. Did anyone ever, what, did anyone ever, what, what was the incentive for that? Um, was it a Marlon King sock? Did we no, ever do King that or not? Sock. No, did that ever happen? No. I'll, um, next time I'm over for my mum's, I'll try and dig it out. I'm not sure if we cut this conversation. From, did we cut the conversation from a podcast previously? Is that yeah, no one heard about the Marlon King sock. Ah, right. Mainly yeah. because okay, well, Marlon King's former exploits. Well, machine. I think we're at the stage now we can mention it. Basically, we need to get some. He's we need a to get some character, isn't he? Allegedly, <laughs> I'm not. Is he? Um, <laughs> well, I'm not sure if anyone's interested, but we want to in, in, increase interaction, especially via iTunes and so on. So, if you do leave a review over the space of what? How long should we give it? Two weeks. Yeah, yeah episodes, two, two weeks. weeks. An end of season review. Yes. Okay. There you hey. go. If you if you're there, if you by the end of the season review, you left a comment, um, or sorry, a review uh, on iTunes, you're in the running to to win a Marlon King sock that was acquired by Thomas's mother at a game. Um, uh, it was at a game, right? She, he threw it to the crowd. Yeah, it was 2006-7 final home game of the season against Newcastle. So match worn sock in a frame as well, and if you, uh, I'm not posting if, it in the frame. You're getting it bunched up in a jiffy bag. But if you do uh, leave a review, then we'll kind of put those names into a hat. 
uh, and we will send it to the winner. Or if you're the only one to leave a review, then you'll you'll get yourself a Marmon King sock. And more importantly, your, your name will get read out on the Watford Buzz. Um, yeah. And and you'll have a heartfelt thanks. And you'll never have to hear us discuss Marlon King's sock again once the winner has been decided. So yeah, that's that's your incentive. Please, um, please do leave a comment. Please do review. And uh, yeah, let us know what we're doing well. Let us know what we're doing badly. And we will try to get better. Indeed. And if you want to um, listen to these episodes without any adverts, then um, just join our uh, Patreon and you will be able to listen to them without any interruptions to your to your your podcast listening so uh you can for five find... pounds a month you can also listen without tom for an episode as well <laughs> <laughs> no, that really would be worth subscribing for. yeah that's right um so uh just find us at patreon uh watford fc buzz podcast and um you can find us there um, tell you what we're gonna have to rename the uh the musa sissoko tier of membership aren't we oh no we are oh, who's it gonna be yeah we'll have to, we'll have to wait for official club Maybe. confirmation yeah, maybe when we um, when we know who he's, he's definitely gone, we can we can let one of our subscribers pick what that tier is called, name it after their favourite player. That sounds like the mm. right sort of thing to do. And yeah. this could be a former a former player as well. Why not? Past yeah. and present. Past and present. That's it. Yeah. Engage the Johan the Johan Cavalli level. Speaking of which, Alec <laughs> Chamberlain was uh, announced today as the the latest um, member of the ambassadors group of people. And fourth place player of the season. And fourth place player of the season. <laughs> <laughs> He's been better than Ben Foster. If, if we were to get a stat, if we were to get a statue at Vicky Droid of a player, who would it be? It'd be Dini celebrating. That's uh, a great question. Actually, yeah, Troy Dini has to be in with a shout, doesn't he? It surely the um, what's that? I, I don't know what game it's from. The iconic image of Luther and John Barnes like arm in arm. Yeah, and Luther's got like a little one of those old, really old-fashioned kind of caps on. I mean, yeah, Luther's yeah. definitely up there. But it's going to be. It's gonna, I would. I would definitely love to see a, a player statue outside. I wonder if you could do. I think Troy Deeney celebrating the goal against Leicester would be up there. Um, the the Grand Taylor statue is is good though, isn't it? The one that's at the front of the of the club shop is good actually. That's 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 better than most of them you see around stadiums nowadays. Yeah, no, I like Taylor. I think Graham Taylor is a perfectly good statue. Yeah, yeah. Here's one. Here's, here's a question for you. Would you have a statue of Elton John? Yeah, absolutely. He's played his part as much as anyone, more than anyone in history. Some of them had Michael Jackson. We can have Elton John. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Michael Jackson just turned up once. Why was that? Was it? Was it the? Was it? um, He was a friend of the uh, chairman, right? Wasn't wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They 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 take it down. They must have taken that down, right? Yeah, it went in the end, didn't it? I think Al Fayed kept it for himself. I mean, it's a horror. It, yeah, it was a strange it wasn't a thing, statue, wasn't it? Was it? I'm just trying to look at it now. Oh, it was. Yeah, really that's, oh, that's terrible. You have to say it, it's not a. That's yeah, that's terrible. I mean, Michael Jackson kind of like a statue as is. Let alone <laughs> putting it. It didn't look good. Yeah, this is bad. Good decision to remove that. It was right next to the stadium as well. This is this just kind of really kind of plays into the idea of Fulham fans as a whole, doesn't it? Yeah. Anyway. You see, they've released their own cheese board to celebrate promotion. Oh, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Be more middle class. Yeah. Uh, well, well there's actually a picture chat. here. There is, sorry, there is actually a picture here of Michael Jackson at a Fulham game. Which is kind of fun. Yes, he did some yeah, there did once to one side, didn't, didn't he? Yeah. With Uri Geller, wasn't it? Uri Geller. Uri Geller as well. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, sure we, could, we could talk about Uri Geller all day, but um, I guess we should probably wrap this thing up. 
Excellent stuff. And um, just before we go, I think we should also mention um, something that uh, broke probably today, I think, in, in the last few hours. Um, it was a message from Blackpool FC. Their uh, young 17-year-old uh, Jake Daniels has come out as gay. Um, and by my occurrence, is probably the only professional player now to um, to have announced that. And, um, you know, I think we want to say, you know, you know, well done for being brave and coming forward and 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 saying that, and we're fully behind you. And um, you know, I, I think you know, we certainly need more people to um, to you know to take a step forward if if that's what they uh, they feel and and um, they feel comfortable enough and safe enough to do so. And 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 you know, well done on on Jake Daniels for you know being one of the first um, to to do so. So um, you know, we'll, we'll leave we'll leave it to leave that there. But um, Yep, great stuff uh, from Blackpool for, uh, for for getting out in the way they've done so. Okay, well, we look forward to seeing you again uh, after the Chelsea game. You know, I usually say hopefully for a win, but I, I, I don't feel like it's going to be one. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe. I'm, we, you know what, what I'm hoping for is uh, just a couple of young players to get a chance to, to show, showcase what they can do because we haven't had much of that this season. It'd be, it'd be lovely for... Um, Maybe Kuko to have a, have a little go out on, on, on pitch and, you know, so he can say that he's played in the Premier League because who knows, we'll not be back for a little while. So um, it's, a, it's certainly an opportunity for some young players to, to get some minutes and, and enjoy a day, even if, um, you know, it doesn't end up being a positive result for Watford. Thanks to Jordan then, thanks to Tom and, um, well, thanks to all of you for, for coming along and listening every week. It's probably been a hard one uh, to, to follow because, uh, you know, some of the news we've been bringing you... Uh, has been quite disappointing and sad but um, who knows maybe we'll end on a positive one next week but after that it's going to be all positive right because we've got a new man to get behind Rob Edwards and we've got a brand new season coming up hopefully with a few more winnable games particularly at Vicarage Road goodbye for us then see you next time Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.